Greetings, and thank you for checking out this sermon from Kingdom Life Community Church in Morrison, Illinois. If you'd like more information about our church, go to kingdomlife.global. And now, here is the sermon from our pastor, Steve Harmon. But some of the things that God keeps asking me in, in this season of my life is, 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 is not necessarily do I have your attention, it's, it's do I have your whole heart. Is it mine? And, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I, I wrestle with that because the natural default question in your devotions or your times with loans of God is like, I'm, I'm a pastor of a church. That does not necessarily mean that God has your heart. There's a lot of people that do this as just a vocation. Um, I'm not saying they're not saved or anything like that. This is not like a, a message about are you really saved. This is because I believe you, you, can, you, can, you can confess, you can love Jesus, but sometimes there's areas of our heart that we hold back and may not surrender fully for whatever reason in our life. And that can come from a variety of different, it can come from past hurts, pains. It can be rebellious too, and, but it can be traumas in, in life past and so on. And so it, there could be these, these things that, that <coughs> God can do that really Check us to see if, if our heart is really his and really pliable. Now, I'm not talking about, obviously, perfection. Because we all understand that we're not going to be perfect on this side of heaven. But we are perfected by him. Okay, his perfection, his righteousness is, is given to us through Christ. But I know that there are going to be times when maybe my attitude is not quite right. Or, or maybe, you know, just, I'm just not a perfect person. I try to live a holy lifestyle. I try to do the things that the Bible says. But there were people in Jesus' times that were trying to do the things that their Bible said. And Jesus, and they came to Jesus and asked, he's like, hey, what must I do to be saved? Well, you know the law, you know. He's like, well, I've, I've done these things since, since I was young. And Jesus says, oh, you want to be perfect. And sell everything you have and come follow me. The Bible says is that he walked away from very sad because he had great possessions and he had great wealth. Yet there was something. <coughs> there was this, there was this uh, division in his heart. There was something that was there that was like I'm, he, he has a, a confrontation with Jesus and he sees and he knows that, that Jesus is real. And, he, you know, he's, he's probably maybe followed him around for a while. He's seen some of the healing stuff. But, but the words that are coming out of his mouth are probably words that he's never really heard from before, and they're coming, uh, the Bible tells us that they're coming with, with a power behind them that he's never really sensed. <coughs> if you remember what they were talking about before when he, at, at must be Matthew chapter 8, right at, the, right at the beginning and right at the end of chapter 7 where the lepers came down and they're like, listen, listen, I, if you are willing, make me clean. And right before that, they're saying, listen, we've, we've heard these words that you were saying and nobody else is saying this type of stuff. There's something about you that's real and authentic and it's calling me to come closer. Yet there are things in my life that I'm not sure that I really want to let go of. And so we come to the, this guy over here who's having this rich young ruler who has wealth but also recognizing that there's something, there's something about Jesus that's different. Reminds me of the Bill Gaither tune, Jesus, 
There's just something about that name. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that name. It's all through the Gospels. It's all through, it's all through the New Testament. There's something about him that's different. There is something about him that fulfills everything inside of me. There is something about him that, that draws me closer. That there's a desire in my heart for more and more, but yet, yet there's this fleshy side of me that is in this constant fight to want to bring everything I own with me. Yet he says, leave everything. When he first meets the disciples in, in the Gospel of Mark, he just, they're fishing. They're doing their stuff. Come follow me. There's something about that statement that's power in there, that they leave their nets, their livelihood. You ever live paycheck to paycheck? <laughs> this is what these guys are doing. They're living from fishnet to fishnet. But there is something about the invitation of Jesus that they, the Bible says that they left everything. He says, come follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men. They probably don't even know what that means. <coughs> Yet there's something that's drawing them to him. I'd like to say that everybody that Jesus spoke to, everybody that was drawn to him initially stayed with him, but that's not the case. You have in the Gospel of John where he said some pretty tough things like eat my flesh and drink my blood or you will have no part of me. That a lot of the disciples that were following at that point were like, this is too hard for us. There are times in your life where Jesus will say things to your spirit or confront you with stuff that are going to be hard for you to understand and hard for you to grasp. But it's that testing time in our relationship with him that's like, listen, <coughs> no matter what, they're like, eat my, eat my flesh and drink my blood. This, man, I've heard a lot of crazy stuff. I've seen you do a lot of things. But this, doesn't, I, this is cannibalism? I'm sure that's probably what they're thinking because they're not catching the spiritual significance of what he's saying. Not even the 12. Right? Peter looks right at Peter. Are you going to leave also? Because he doesn't go chase him. He doesn't go chase him down and say, hey, let me explain it to you. This, this is what I really meant. He, no, no. This wasn't, this wasn't about do they really understand. It's like, are you willing to follow me at all costs even when you don't understand? Do I have your heart? And all of a sudden, Peter. I like Peter. I mean, I like them all. But no matter what, whether, whether it was pride or, or a softening of the heart and some understanding within him, even though he's going to fail him later on, there's a part of Peter that is starting to get, in some way, shape, or form, what Jesus is talking about. Because you imagine the eyes when Jesus locks eyes with yours. And he comes up. Or he just turns. Are you going to leave too? These aren't questions of worry in his life. These aren't questions of fear. These aren't questions of, am I going to have 12 disciples after this? Is, is anybody going to come to my home church? Ah, these are not fears of insecurity. These are the words that are coming out of his mouth to challenge 
What do you really believe about me? Are you going to leave too? And Peter, right? I imagine kind of this frozen in time moment. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) And Peter's like, where else am I going to go? Where else am I going to go? For you have the words of life. Even though I don't understand everything. Because there were parables he had to explain to them. They were, you know, I'm not trying to be mean, but they probably weren't the top of the class in school if they went. Right? He's telling them about parables. They're like, I, I don't, what, what do you, he has to explain things to them. Whole kingdom stuff. So they've been on a, a, a pathway of hearing new things and seeing dynamic things, but, but this is something different. <coughs> the words they, that are kind of piercing and hard to understand, and, and sometimes the Lord does that to us. It's, it's, not about, it's, it's not about he doesn't want to be with you or anything like that. It's that invitation to even when I don't understand to draw me closer into relationship with him because I'm putting my trust and my faith before my understanding. Now, that doesn't necessarily happen in the real world. But in the world in which you are a citizen of, in his kingdom, that's currency, faith. This is why he calls people to different nations, people that you may not even, like, wow, I didn't see that happening in them. I didn't see that being a thing. He's calling people to to different nations. He's, He's challenging people. Just as much as he's challenging someone to go start a church somewhere, maybe in the Middle East, he's challenging us to live the gospel in its purity and its simplicity in where we live. It's not going to all be sunshine and rainbows, and I get that. <coughs> Excuse me. If you look at First um, Peter... There's something that that comes with following Christ in chapter 4. Sometimes you may hear a gospel, a type of a gospel that it it talks about Jesus and his sacrifice and everything. But it goes a little farther off on a a direction of like if if you're suffering or something's going wrong in your life that, you know, it's, it's a faith issue. That's borderline heretical. It really is. Because that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible does not teach on this side of life that you will have no problems. It doesn't say that in any of the books. I've read them. You may hear that, a warped sense of, <clears throat> of a theology about that, but it, it, it's not true. Now, it's not to say that God doesn't bless you. He does. he does. He blesses you financially. He blesses you with family. He blesses you in all the ways. Yes, he does. But that doesn't mean that there's not trials that we go through in this life. There's not suffering that we go through in this life. There is. The Bible talks about it. All the disciples went through it. Those who are truly uh, are his will go through it. He says, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. Who's he talking about? This world. He's like, not if you're delivered, but when you are delivered up. Right? Talking to his 
disciples, when you are delivered up in front of pro-councils and governments for my namesake, right? He's saying that the cost of following me is going to be at some point hatred of the world toward you. So there will be challenges in our life. And if our heart is split between the world and, and the kingdom, we're not going to be able to really stand in the time when, it, when our faith is challenged. We're, we're going to cave on certain things. And because it's more comfortable living with the counsel and the friendship of the world instead of living in a persecution. Let's just be simple. Nobody in their right mind says, I want to be persecuted. <clears throat> if you are, you need help. Okay? Nobody goes out looking for that stuff. Oh, great. Flay me. No. It's not natural to be excited about being filleted. Yet, on the other hand, there is an, ex an excitement and an, 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 an enthusiasm and momentum when he has my whole heart to where I'll go wherever he calls me to go, no matter the cost. In 1 Peter chapter 4, he says these things, Therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same understanding, because, those, because the one who suffers in the flesh is finished with sin. <coughs> it's like, okay, bring on the whips, baby. I want to be done with sin. <coughs> we go a little further. Because uh, in, uh, in order to live... The remaining time in the flesh, no longer for human desires, but for the will of God. For there has already been enough time spent doing what the Gentiles choose to do, carrying on in unrestrained behavior, evil desires, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, lawless idolatry. They are surprised that you don't join in with them, the same flood of wild living, and they slander you, and they will give an, but they will give an account to the one who stands ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached to those who are now dead, so that although they might be judged in the flesh according to human standards, they might live in the spirit according to God's standards. When we, we look at this, there's, there's a type of, of, of suffering that we go through that is not from the enemy. There's a suffering that we go through sometimes in our life just because we believe in, in who he is. Now, he may use the enemy, <coughs> excuse me, but the enemy does not have power over the Lord. So sometimes we are challenged, we, we suffer in our faith for different things. But the point is, is, is not because you've been bad or you've been evil. It's that he is challenging you. He is pulling you out of a world of flesh and evil desires to be more focus-minded on on his kingdom and who he is. And I'll tell you what, I've learned more from God when I've gone through hard times because I've learned how to trust on him even when I don't understand why I'm going through what I'm going through. I found that his promises are true and they're not just true when I'm on the mountaintop, they're true when I'm in the desert. They're true when I'm faced with certain uncertainty when I don't know how things are going to work out, when there's more oppression or a, a character assassination of, of who I am. 
When people are talking behind my back or, or trying to destroy the work that God is trying to do here through their mouth or through their anger or through their bitterness or through their offense. That's not just, my, that's not just this church. It's every church who is, who is, who is trying to, to follow the Lord. They're, they're, the enemy is, is going to be doing those types of things. People who you wouldn't expect become thorns. Those who say they were with you, and, and all of a sudden, the next Sunday, they're not. You, you've had friends. You've had relationships like that. It hurts. Sometimes you've been lied about. It's not just the persecution of the sword. It's the persecution and the character assassination of of just you, because you believe in him. And he says there's going to be suffering, but it's not without a purpose. This suffering, these challenges, these trials, these tribulations that you're going to be going through, if you will face them head on, specifically for you will draw closer to the one who has called you. Not only that, but you... you, you you go through this and, 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 and you walk through this with your integrity and your character. You're going to see God's miracle provision in your life, whether it be financial or whether it be in relationships or whatever. But you're going to sense a type of peace that only you can experience through a storm. <clears throat> I, I don't know what peace is unless I'm going through a storm. So the greater the storm, the greater the opportunity of peace that I receive from him in the midst of it. <clears throat> it is not easy. <clears throat> I, don't, I don't know why we, we struggle with these certain things. I don't know why some people get healed and, and some may not. We, we don't know. But we have an understanding that the one who has called us, thank you very much, the one who has called us, huh? That's okay, thank you. <clears throat> or it might get me real slobbery, so watch out, you first front rows. That's not the anointing, it might be saliva. Okay. <clears throat> but we know that there's going to be hardships, but we also know <clears throat> the things that Jesus said, right? What does he say? I will not leave you as orphans. Which means no matter what trial or tribulation that you're going through, he hasn't turned his back on you, he hasn't left your side. We have the promise that, that God is now our Father and that He is good. And we know that whatever we go through <clears throat> can and will draw us closer into relationship with Him. Finally, in verse 7, he says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded for prayer. I, <clears throat> I stop there. <clears throat> Throw some caffeine at this. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded for prayer. Now, this is written a couple thousand years ago. We get it. And he's saying the end of all things is near. 
and it's nearer now than it was then. <laughs> we are seeing some things that are happening in the earth today that have, have not happened, but are, are a product of, of biblical prophecy of, of, what, of what Revelation and, and different books of the Bible say are, are going to happen towards the end. And we are seeing these happen more and more <clears throat> upon the earth. And if I'm just relying on my flesh, I'm going to be very discouraged. I'm going to be very worried. I'm going to be very afraid. But my inheritance is not fear. My inheritance is peace through faith in Jesus Christ. Which means that no matter what I may be happening on the earth or, or how it may be working or I may be seeing certain things happening the way the Bible describes them and, and things like that, my, my focus is not on my life here on earth. My focus is on his kingdom and my focus is, is preaching and, and teaching and, and ministering the gospel to those who don't know yet. <clears throat> and my ministry is also to encourage all of you to be strong and to be courageous. No matter what you see going on in the world today, no matter how uncomfortable you may feel right now, be strong and be courageous. And also be alert and be disciplined or sober-minded in prayer. And I, I'm, again, <clears throat> I've told you this before. Sometimes people might ask the question, um, you seem to say a lot of the same things, not preach a lot of the same messages, but sometimes there's certain things that are resounding in your messages, and that is for a purpose. Because a lot of times you hear a message and you don't, you don't really take away everything, or you may get a point or two. So sometimes when we're talking about things, uh, the same phrases will come over and over again at different times throughout either the message or... You know, a couple, three times a month, you'll hear a, a certain type of phrase. It, I'm not losing my mind. I'm not forgetting what I'm saying or that I've said it. I'm saying these things because so that these things will begin to drift from this into the heart. <clears throat> so that we'll take it from this. And so, you know, so it doesn't just go in one ear and out the other. But at some point, it's like, oh, that, that sounds familiar. And it begins to lodge in our mind so that it can drift down into our heart so that we can make decisions in our life based around the word of God and the time that we are in. In case you were wondering... And so when we talk about prayer, um, we, it's, the hardest, it's, the, it's the hardest meeting to get anybody to come to in the church. No matter what church you go to, the hardest meeting to get anybody to come to is the prayer meeting. Partly because a prayer meeting deals a lot with um, drawing close to God, and, and that can scare people. Because I'm afraid, sometimes, people are afraid sometimes that if I draw close to God and I really start listening to everything he says, that he's going to call me to be a missionary in Africa. And I don't want to go to Africa. Would you be like one of the disciples that left him then? This is too hard for me. I got too much stuff going on right here. I'm not, I'm not calling you to be a missionary to Africa. 
What I'm saying is, is we cannot come to him with, our heart, with part of our hearts that are reserved for ourselves anymore. And times on the earth are not getting easier. We're, we're fighting biology now in classrooms, people. This is the weirdest season of life I've ever been in. There's a certain type of, of lunacy and madness that's, that's been released. I don't think you put that back in the bottle. And so because of these things that we're seeing, uh, the issues of my heart are becoming more clear. It's like, listen, why? Because I, I want him to have everything, not just to keep me safe, but I, because of, I want to be in intimate relationship with my father. But I also, when I'm dealing in times when people are going to hate me because of what I preach, at some point, maybe the only person you're going to have for a while that's going to be in your corner is the king of the universe. And I want to make sure I know his voice. And I want to make sure that I come to him with, with an open heart that he can do anything he wants in and through me. There are times when you maybe feel loneliness on the world. You don't necessarily have to feel it between him and you, but you may be feeling it in the world. Imagine people like Elijah, Moses even, in the midst of two point some million people was probably one of the loneliest people on the earth because the only person he could go to to talk about his issues was the father. Because <clears throat> everybody else was fleshy. Three days after the parting of the Red Sea and they're complaining for water. After getting, after getting manna, I mean, you know, bread. I'm a, I, I live on a farm. I'm not a farmer, but I've never seen, you know, angel food grow out of the ground. But they did. They saw it fall. They, they, they harvested this angel food cake, whatever, manna. And then they complained about that. Well, we want meat. So he sends quail, and they have meat. But everything that God did for them was never enough because their heart was never fully his. Which is why when they see some of the greatest miracles that God would ever do on the face of the earth, on, on behalf of Israel, that right after that all oh, our life was so much better in Egypt. Oh, that we would go and die in Egypt. I'm so glad that that's not with the people of today. I mean, we've, we've all matured, right? Yeah. We're not complaining anymore, except when there's not enough toilet paper on the shelves. Then all hell is breaking loose because I got rights, people. I'm surprised you people put up with me. Okay. But he says... Be sober-minded or be serious about prayer, right? The reason the prayer meeting is the hardest thing to get people to come to is because it will be the most powerful meeting you will ever attend. Because it is the only, only meeting in the gathering of people where the, the principle of unity will demonstrate itself out in the power from on high from God in the midst of the meeting. If you look at the book of Acts, it's exactly what happened. Stay in Jerusalem until you're endued with power. 
And Acts 2 says that they were of one accord and in one place. One accord and one place. They're praying the same thing. They're praying the promises. Father, bring on the, the, the Spirit. Bring on whatever you need on us. Bring, 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 God. And they're all in one you know. And then all of a sudden, the day of Pentecost, got crazy. Because the very presence of God comes into that room like a mighty rushing wind. The Spirit of God. You want to know why it's a mighty rushing wind? Because he's been waiting since the Garden of Eden to come back into the hearts of the people. And I don't think he can wait to get there. So, It's the same presence that falls in, in, in Solomon's time in Chronicles after Solomon prays and he consumes the sacrifice and the glory of God comes in the temple in the form of a cloud. It's the same presence that's over Moses' little porta temple when Moses is there. It's the same presence that Moses, when he's going to the mountain, is meeting with, right? It's the same presence that comes into your life when you believe in who Jesus is and you accept him and you receive him and all of a sudden you receive the Holy Spirit and then you receive the power of the Holy Spirit within you as well too. You're no different than the upper room people. And it's the same presence that's desiring to be released upon you today and now needed more than ever. And the question we ask ourselves is, why does there seem to be a resistance? I don't think it's coming from him. I think it's coming from hearts that are divided, that are comfortable, that are not willing to be set on fire for one last move on this earth. Mm. And I challenge myself more than anything. Don't get me wrong. I love where I live. I love where I'm at. I love you guys. But I'm not willing to sacrifice being comfortable for being his. He can move me. He can call me to wherever he wants me to go. And I'm, I'm saying that with my mouth. And every day I'm saying, God, make that so solid in my heart. Because I, I do. I, I want to be used however you want to be. I, I, I don't want to be comfortable. I don't want this to be just a job. Uh, I don't want anything. Lord, I, 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 I want to be set on fire by your spirit. And if I lose friends because of it, I lose friends because of it. If I lose position, I lose position. I don't want to lose position in you. You are more than anything. This is why Paul can say, I can suffer the loss of everything here on earth for the excellence of just knowing him. Paul is like, I'm, I'm willing to forgo everything. No matter what they could offer me in my, my former position in Judaism, no matter what the world can give me, no matter if even my Roman citizenship, I, I would forsake everything and all of it for just knowing you. 
See, that's a heart that's undivided. I'm not saying it's a heart that's perfect, but it's a heart that's undivided. And I think that's what God is calling and pulling out of us as a group of believers. It's like, listen, don't, don't separate parts of your heart from me. Lastly, in chapter 4, he says this. Don't be surprised then when fiery ordeal comes among you to test you if something unusual were to happening to you. Instead, rejoice as you share in these sufferings of Christ so that you may rejoice uh, with great joy when his glory is revealed. <clears throat> if you are ridicule, ridiculed for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. <laughs> what is he saying? You know that you're, you're in right with God if you're being ridiculed for it. If the world is making fun of you because of your relationship with Jesus, you're doing the right things. Move over here into verse 9. Let me go back a little bit. He says, be hospitable to one another without complaining. Verse 8, above all, maintain constant love for one another. For since love covers a multitude of sins. So in our living with one another, in community, we've got to love one another. That's not a novel concept. It's not the first time you've heard that. But it's always going to be something that we're striving to practice and do in our lives. To give up some, some of us for the, for the sake of unity. So be hospitable to one another without complaining. Just as each of you has received a gift, use it to serve others. See, the gift is not meant to serve yourself or to, or to bring you to a level of position. God does that. I don't use my gifts in striving like the world does to make sure I'm noticed. I use gifts that God has given me in the service of others. And so should you. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's word. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be glory and honor and power forever. So even the, the struggles and the, the things that you are going through, even though you may feel alone, because you live with a community of believers, you're never alone. Because if he said, I'll never leave you as orphans, right? I'll never leave you or forsake you, and I'll never leave you from orphans. <clears throat> Part of that prophecy is fulfilled through the brothers and sisters that you live in community with in the true church because he is in them. And because he is in them, he is there with you as well as him being in you. Amen? So we go through hard times. That doesn't mean that we've done something wrong probably means that we're doing something right. Stay the course. Keep pursuing the heart of your Father. Allow Him to, to look into the deepest places of your life that you would really like no one, no one else to go into. Understand that you're not alone. Understand that He has not left you, but that He has placed you in a body of believers who are going along the same path and direction about the worst thing you can ever experience in life is loneliness in the body of Christ. should not be so. So don't isolate yourself from them. 
Don't isolate yourself from each other. Don't isolate yourself from the Father. Because I'll tell you, we've only just begun. I know we're celebrating 35 years and we're resting in the faithfulness of the past generations who've served this place. But we, we have had different people from different places speak the same words over this church. We have not seen those words fulfilled yet. And I'm, I want them to be fulfilled. I'm not willing to let my dignity get in the way of what God wants to do. <clears throat> I'm not willing to let my understanding of how I think things should work get in the way with what God wants to do in this church. And if God is desiring to plant revival here, if he is, the first thing he's going to do is set fire to the hearts of the people in this room. And I know that there's going to come a time when God's going to move and there's going to be a lot of, we're going to have to get new carpets, guys, because this will be soaked with tears of repentance. And then, when he picks us up off the carpet and he's lit our hearts on fire, it will leave this church to the highways and the byways. If you believe what Josue said, if you believe what Leif has said, if you believe what Jan has said, if you believed what Chris has longed for in the, in the years that he's been here, then you let God have your heart fully because that's the first step. Thanks for joining with us today. And if that message touched your heart in some way, please let us know by emailing us at info.kingdomlife at aol.com. You can also find us and reach out to us on Facebook. And we hope that you will join us again for another podcast from Kingdom Life Community Church.